Oh, one day our bodies won't get tired and we'll stand around the, the throne of glory and we'll just sing. I don't know about you, but that's a lot of fun for me. I love to worship the Lord. And we'll be able to do it with perfect voices. Wow. And we'll tell the Lord he's holy. That'll be awesome. That'll be some, some fun in heaven, let me tell you. I, I'm anxious for that day. Uh, it's something I love to do. I love worshiping God. And if there is anybody worthy of the very best that I can give, it is Jesus Christ, my Savior. I love praising him. I just always have. And so thank you for joining us with that. I want to ask you to please go with me to Psalms 29, the book of Psalms. I love the book of Psalms, and I often am in it. Um, I, I read it read it along with, even if I'm reading other passages of Scripture in my alone time, I often will go to, to Psalms and at least read a chapter. It just, it's a wonderful, wonderful book. I love Psalms for a lot of reasons. One of them is that just, it's full of the raw emotion of the one who has penned the words. Uh, God just allows uh, David and other psalmists to just uh, kind of express from their hearts, and they know how to do it, and the Holy Spirit inspired such beautiful words. This is a wonderful prayer lifted up from the psalmist. We'll begin our reading in verse 4. This prayer says this, Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my Savior and my hope is in you all day long. Remember, O Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from old. Remember not the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me, for you are good, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful for those who keep the demands of his covenant. For the sake of your name, O Lord, forgive my iniquity, though it is great. Who then is the man that fears the Lord? He will instruct him in the way chosen for him. He will spend his days in prosperity and his descendants will inherit the land. The Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. My eyes are ever on the Lord, for only he will release my feet from the snare. Some years ago, a great invention uh, came to us and uh, fell into my hands. It was invented by the military, but it's an awesome invention, and I enjoy it, and I'm so grateful for it. Uh, without this invention, um, it was a little more challenging. Uh, you're looking at a guy. Uh, I'll get to the invention in a second, but you're looking at a guy that likes to go on vacation. I don't want to make you think that I'm lazy or anything. I try to work hard, but when it's time to go on vacation, I'm all about it. But here's the thing about me. I'm not one of those who is about the journey. I'm about the destination. Okay? So if I'm going to Myrtle Beach, I'm not excited about driving 13 hours or whatever it takes to get there. The drive doesn't excite me. My goal is get there and get there from point A to point B as fast as I can. And I want to make record time if I can. Okay? That's how I am. I'm all about being there. 
wherever the there is, I'm point A to point B. I don't want to go over here and look at this on the way down. I don't want to meander around. If I'm on vacation, my objective is make it to the vacation destination and try to get people out of my way. And you will see that I get excited about vacation. And if you ever ride with me when I'm going on vacation, you will see that I'm a man on a mission. Please don't make me stop three times to use the restroom. We gotta get there. And so that's kind of my mentality. And for this is why I always say my dear wife Darlene is going to have one of the best mansions in heaven. She's lived with me for 37 years, okay? And this is the kind of stuff that I'm talking about. But I'm a destination kind of guy, and some of you are journey kind of people. You enjoy the journey. You embrace the journey. I'm not one of them, okay? I'm about the destination, and that's what I want to do. I want to get there. Well, the invention that I'm talking about that I'm grateful has been created is called GPS. I like GPS, Global Positioning System. The military invented it, and I'm glad that they did, and I'm glad that one day they allowed the civilians to use it. I, before this time, and I am old enough to tell you, I clearly remember this, we used a thing called a map. You bought a book, it was an atlas, and inside was every state, and every road was mapped out on it, and you would map out your plan. So if I were going down to Myrtle Beach, uh, South Carolina, I would map my little journey, and we would follow the book, and Darlene had to be my GPS back then. So that meant she had to stay awake because I always drive at nighttime because there's less cars on the road. And and I'm more grumpy when there's a lot of cars on the road. So it's always better for me to be alone on the road. And I'm about the destination. So so it's just better. So poor Darlene would have to stay up all night and navigate for me. But I love the GPS. When we got our first GPS, there was a little lady inside of there. And man, it was awesome what she would do for me. She knew exactly what road I was on. She knew exactly where on that road I was. She knows how fast I'm traveling on that road. And I'll tell you something about my GPS. It turns red when you go a little too fast. I know that. I shouldn't, but I do, okay? She she tells you turn by turn ahead of time what is coming up. She alerts you in 800 yards, take the exit right. I love that. I love the way she speaks. She's very calming. I believe her name is Barbara and, and, and on my GPS. And Barbara has guided me along the way. Well, after a while, Darling got tired of Barbara. And she decided that we were going to listen to Richard. Richard was from Australia, I think. I'm not sure. He had an accent to his voice that appealed to Darlene. And Richard then <laughs> began to tell us where to go. And I can't even begin to mimic the way he sounded, you know. In 800 yards, turn right. You know, I can't even do it. And, 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 um, and I love it when you would make a mistake. And I did this the other day with my GPS. When you make a mistake, you'll hear something like, or at least you'll see on the screen, recalculating. And I love that it doesn't say, you're an idiot. Because that's why... <laughs> That's really why you missed it. You messed up. But it just like recalculating. And then it happily tells you in 300 yards, make a U-turn. You know, so it's just. And I like GPS. I like having it. I have it on my phone. And I use it a lot. And after a while, it just, to be very honest with you, just didn't feel natural to have a, a man telling me uh, the directions of where to go. It just feels more natural to me when a woman's telling me what to do. So we have Barbara back. 
Now, my GPS is a TomTom, and you've heard of TomToms. i got a friend who's had trouble with TomTom because every once in a while, if you don't keep it downloaded, all the maps downloaded and all that, when the roads change, TomTom has no way of knowing unless you update TomTom. And every once in a while, TomTom will get you lost. And my friend calls him Dumb Dumb. And I love that. But but GPS is a wonderful invention. I'm very grateful for it. It's a great day to be alive and a great time to be alive. GPS has been a lot easier for me because I'm lazy, I guess. I like an audible voice telling me turn by turn where I need to go. And by the way, Darlene will testify to this very clearly. I do not, I repeat, not like being lost. No, that's a bad thing. I don't enjoy being lost. And can I get a witness here? Come on, men. Help me out here. Some of you don't like being lost either. That's a hard thing, especially if you're in the middle of a city that you don't know. And I've been lost in some cities. Ill. It's terrible. So anyway, I I really thank the Lord for a GPS. It works most of the time anyway. (laughs) Do you ever long for guidance in your life? Do you ever wonder about the direction of your life and where you're supposed to go? Do you ever feel so lost that you don't even know where you are? Do you wrestle with what your purpose is in your life and what direction you should go? Have you ever wished that God would just speak to you out loud and say, this is what you need to do. This is the direction. I think we've all been there. Is there GPS for our lives God's positioning system? I believe there is. I think God has a plan for every single person, a direction and a purpose for every single life. I think he does. Reading Psalm 139, Matthew 10, I could go into several passages and chapters of Scripture, is enough to convince me that God personally is involved in the creation of every human being. Every one of us was formed but God's creative power. And I know this seems a little odd. I don't know how God does what he does anyway, but somehow God is in is present in the womb of a woman and he forms the human being. That's what Psalm 139 says. What a wonder human life is. You have the spark of God's creative power in you and you are an image bearer of your God. And he loves you and he created you and he has a purpose and a plan for you. I'm convinced of that. And I'm convinced that he has something that uh, a, a desire to guide us and to show us what we should do. There is, I think, God's positioning system uh, for our lives. I love what James chapter one, five says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should go to who should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to them. So how do we get divine guidance? Let's go back to Psalm 25, because I think there are some good things in this this particular passage. There are many others in Scripture, but this is a good passage to kind of look at and and consider. I would suggest to you, first of all, that there is a way already established for you. Show me. Your ways, O Lord, teach me your paths, guide me in the truth and teach me for you are God, my savior, and my hope is in you all day long. 
I would suggest to you that the first steps to receiving God's guidance and help for your life is to get squarely on the old path that's already been established. God has already put a whole lot in this book to give you guidance and to tell you how to live. It's an old path. It's an ancient path. And God has prepared it for you. And he has said, this is where we are to walk. And so there's a whole lot of stuff that we already know that God wants us to do and God gives us guidance on. It's established already. God has already made it happen. He has already begun that process in our lives so that we understand to them. In the book of Jeremiah, the Israelites were the people of God. But they had strayed from God, from the established paths that he had uh, created for them. And they were perplexed. When Jeremiah was given a message from God that they were facing sudden destruction, they couldn't believe it. They, in fact, didn't believe it. They thought Jeremiah was a liar. They said, there's no way that that's possible. They got so mad, they threw him down a a cistern one time. They said, we don't even want to listen to you. Even his whole family hated him. Everybody hated Jeremiah. I look at Jeremiah's life every once in a while when I think I have it hard being a pastor. I'm grateful I don't have that job. Nobody liked Jeremiah. Nobody responded to Jeremiah's message except to say, get out of my face. They hated him. So I'm grateful for you. I love you. I love pastoring this church. I, I'm not complaining, that's for sure. But, but then the Lord replied to them. And I want to take you to Jeremiah chapter 6. And this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And you'll find rest for your souls. But you said, we will not walk in it. I appointed watchmen over you and said, listen to the sound of the trumpet. But you said, we will not listen. Therefore, hear, O nations, observe, O witnesses, what will happen to them. Hear, O earth, I'm bringing disaster on this people, the fruit of their schemes, because they have not listened to my words and have rejected my law. I need to say something to you about getting guidance in your life. This is how I need it, and this is how you need it. I said last week that God is about relationship and he is about bringing people into relationship he is not about religion he doesn't want to make you religious he wants you in a relationship with him that's what god is about and that is where you find the old path It started way back when people were just on this planet and they rebelled against God. God put them in a beautiful place. He gave them a paradise to live in. He said, this is the one thing you should not do and you will not do. Do not eat from this. They failed. They they fell against the Lord. They walked another path. They started going away. And right there, when God is dealing with the people who had rebelled against him, he looks at Eve and he said to her that the, the because of what has happened he's speaking to the serpent satan and he's speaking to eve and he said because of what has happened you're going to feel pain when great pain when you give birth to children and then he said but her offspring devil is going to crush you under his heels right there the ancient path was established that's jesus that's the cross And so I need to say to you, if you want God's guidance in your life, it starts in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's how you know where to go. That's the ancient path to walk on. I'm going to tell you about the path a little bit. It's very, very narrow. It's very, very straight. And it's, it's not walked on by a whole lot of people comparatively. Most people like the broad road. Most people want to be on that road because they feel they have a lot more lack 
attitude, in their decision making and all. And in that sense, they are correct. But the broad road leads to something horrible. There is a path and it's very narrow. Narrow. There is the ancient path that is the narrow road. That's where you can live. But it starts at the cross. It, it goes all the way back to Genesis. It's an ancient path. And before we can begin to ask God to, to show us specifically what to do, what he will do is point you to the cross and to Jesus Christ. Because there is a way that's already established. And I want you to hear again what Jeremiah said to the people. The Lord is speaking to the people through Jeremiah in 6.16. And this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient past. Ask for the, where the good way is and walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. But you said, would not walk in that path. Someone here today is at a crossroads point in your life. You're standing there and this is a pivotal moment, a pivotal moment for you. You've faced options with your life's direction. You can make choices because God gives you the freedom to do so. And I'm asking you, stand at your crossroads and look hard for a moment. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask for the good way. Don't just set off on a dream without eternal value. Start out on the way of the Lord and you can have abundant life few weeks back, I was talking to our teenagers uh, on, on, on a Friday night, and I'm going to ask you to indulge me for a second and do this in, in your mind. I asked them to consider um, if I wanted them to imagine themselves driving down like maybe Route 66, a beautiful highway, but some beautiful highways, gorgeous. It's a gorgeous day. And you're driving down that highway all by yourself and, and you named the car. If you could have any car, money's not an object. I'm thinking my, my friend Tom is, is going back to some American muscle right now. That's what I'm thinking about Tom because he likes that. Maybe Corvette or something like that. But whatever your car would be, if money were not an object, what would you be tooling down the, the road with? man? And it's beautiful. It's a gorgeous day. Uh, if you like air conditioning, then your windows are up and your air conditioning's blaring. And if you like the tunes, you got your tunes on with your quadraphonic sound system or whatever. Whatever it is that you have, I what is your ideal car? I just asked that teenagers to imagine their, their, their ideal vehicle. It made me laugh because one of the teenagers says, does it have to be a car? And I kind of frowned. I said, well, I guess not. And then this teenager said, well, because I want to ride on a, on a really, really nice mower. Go figure. I don't know, but that's what this teenager said. I said, okay, you're tooling down the road on your mower or your car. It is a gorgeous day, and you're enjoying the trip. You're really having a wonderful trip down the road. And then suddenly, as you're going down the road, you're about, you're approaching a bend. Uh, some guy jumps out in front of you and waves you, flags you down, stops you. And it kind of wrecks your, your moment. You know, you're in the moment. But then they, this, this, this maniac kind of guy jumping up and down stops you. And he comes to your window and taps on it. Looks a little shady, but you crack your window open enough to hear him. And then he's saying, listen, you got to know something. Right around this bend, there was a huge, there was a long bridge. It goes over a canyon. The canyon's 1,500 feet deep. The bridge just fell. And I watched car after car go off the, the cliff that I'm standing here. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to tell you, don't go around that bend too fast. Don't even go over there because it's the, the bridge is out. You're going to die. 
And I asked the teenagers to consider how foolish it would be to say, oh, you're nuts. And just take step on the accelerator, go around the bend, and before they knew it, be plunging down to their death. And what I suggested to them is that the Lord stands there and he says, there's a dangerous road. You're on a dangerous road. This looks like a beautiful road, but it's a broad road that leads to destruction. I have an ancient path for you to get on. I have an established way. And this is guidance for your life. This will lead to life everlasting. And I'm saying to you, brothers and sisters, GPS for your soul comes when you when you start out with a relationship with the Lord of glory who died on a cross for you. That's the ancient path, the established way. And I just want to say something here, too, to some here who want the Lord to help you and you want the Lord to guide you. And I'm talking to Christians for a minute. He points you to the ancient paths and you won't walk there. Talking to Christians. I'll give you just one example of what I'm talking about. There are too many Christians in America who deliberately sin against God and then act like it's not a big deal. And this is just one place where I see it happening all the time. There is a command of God to believers to trust him on our giving. He talks about tithes. He talks about offerings. And it's not a request to us, church. It's not a request for us to tithe and give offerings. That's not a request from God. God says to do it. And some people deliberately disobey the command of the Lord. And they just won't walk that path. And I have to say something to you. God can't bless disobedience. I'm not up here saying these things because I'm expecting you. I'm I'm wanting your money. That's not what this is about. I'm just saying that if we're going to walk on the path, we have to obey God in everything that we do. And this is just a thing. And the amazing thing about this command from God, it's the only command where God dares you to obey him. He says, try me and test me and see if I won't bless you. And I just will tell you, here's one Christian who will testify to the fact that God has blessed me abundantly just because I was obedient in giving. Every time I give something out of obedience to God, God blesses me. I'm not saying that he gave me money. I'm saying he blessed me. He took care of me. My bills are all paid. I'm not financially wealthy. Sometimes we look at the checkbook and go, "Uh uh-oh, that's us too. We look at our bills and, and sometimes we run out of money before we run out of month. We all get there sometimes and we go, well, it's in God's hands. We're being obedient to him not one time. Has God failed me? And that's just one place that I want to tell you. Walk on the ancient path and be obedient to the things already established by God. We don't have to ask him for guidance. Lord, uh, is it okay for me to lie on this occasion? Let me help you with that. The Bible says not to lie. Okay, you don't even have to ask the question. That's sort of like what it used to be when I was a teenager. You know, I never had to call up my dad and say to my dad, hey, dad, would you mind if I go out drinking tonight? I can tell you what would have happened. I never had that temptation. But I can tell you what would have happened to me if, if I called him. He would have said, uh, who are you and what have you done to my son? I mean, because that's just a given. That was always no. And there was no changing it. Why do we want to stray from the established path? We need to be careful. The second thing that I want, the observation I want to make out of this, is that God guides the humble. Verse 9 says it beautifully. Beautifully, He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them His way. I want to take a moment on this because the Bible commands people to walk 
humbly with their God. There's so many commands in Scripture to this. Micah 6, 8, asked and then answers a question. And what does God require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Proverb 29, 23. A man's pride brings him low, but a man of lowly spirit gains honor. First Peter 5 and 6 is one of my life verses. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, and he'll lift you up in due time. There are so many verses of Scripture that tells us that we are to live humble lives. And in fact, 1 Peter 5, 5 tells us to clothe ourselves with humility because God opposes the proud, fights against us when there's arrogance in our life, opposes us when we're too proud. So let me just start here. Humble people walk the ancient established paths because they have no problem recognizing and acknowledging that God's ways are higher than they are and they are better. And so they humble themselves to be obedient to the Lord. They may be wise, but they know that God is wiser. They may know a lot, but they know that God is all-knowing. Humble people do not reject the ways of the Lord. We may not always get it. We may not always understand the direction God points us in. But if we're humble, we do it. Because we trust that God is so far above us. And by the way, folks, He's our Creator. So what he requires of us is certainly reasonable. Humble people don't try to go it alone. They don't try to say, I got this all on my own, don't need any help. Humble people will seek out guidance from the Lord. They'll seek it from prayer or through prayer, through the word of God and through godly counsel with good godly people. That's what humble people do. They're teachable. They listen to wisdom. They seek it out. They're not too proud to admit that they don't know what they should do sometimes. And I asked that question at the beginning of the service. Have you ever been in a place in your life where you just don't know? You don't even know where you are. You're not sure what to do. I need to say something to you. It amazes me how many Christians I've met in my life who have trouble saying words like this. I was wrong. I'm sorry. It's amazing to me. How unwilling so many of us are to just humble ourselves. It's like watching a, a, an episode of Happy Days. And I don't know if you, any of you watched that show years ago, but there was a guy on there by the name of Fonzie, the cool guy. The guy that could hit a jukebox and make it play. Okay, he was just full of cool. And one of Fonzie's deal was he could not say I was wrong. In, in one episode, I remember him going, I was then he tries to say, I'm sorry. I'm and, and, you know, it's a little funny to think about that, but his pride stood in his way. He could not even say the words, I was wrong. Let me tell you something. God blesses humble people. I'm not saying you need to run around beating yourself up. And let me tell you what humility is not. Humility is not walking around debasing yourself and tearing yourself apart and saying stuff about yourself that you don't need to say. I'm just a a wreck. I'm awful. I'm terrible. I'm a loser. I'm I'm all of that. No, that's not humility. That, That, in fact, is another sin against God because God created you and you trash his creation. You don't need to run around and do that. But real humility is acknowledging that there is a great God in heaven and that you're not him. 
and that you make mistakes and you're fallible and that there are times when you have to just face the fact I'm a human being and I have failed and it's all right to say I'm sorry. It's all right to go to God and confess your sins. It's all right to go to one another and confess your faults. That's what the scripture tells us to do. Humility is is how you find guidance with the Lord. You humbly seek him and you humbly seek it. So one of the best things that a person can do when he or she feels lost is pray to God, seek his will and ask for his wisdom. Do you want God to give you Knowledge or or guidance, then acknowledge him in all your ways and he'll make your path straight. Proverbs 3, 6. Trust in him. Believe in him. That's humility. You know what? I have to say this. Trusting God takes humility. In order for us to trust God, we have to be willing to humble ourselves and say, okay, I'm not big enough to handle this problem. I trust God. And that takes some humility. But humility, again, is telling the truth. This is bigger than me, but not bigger than my God. Let me quickly go to this last one. Godly fear accesses godly wisdom. Verses 12 through 15. Who then is a man that fears the Lord? He will instruct them in the way chosen for him. He will spend his days in prosperity and his descendants will inherit the land. The Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to him. The eyes of the, my eyes are ever on the Lord, for he only he will release my feet from the snare. Does God really want people to fear him? Well, yes, he does. And let me show you why I believe that. Here's just a few passages of scripture. Deuteronomy 10:12. And now, O Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, walk in his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Ecclesiastes twelve thirteen. Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments in this, for this is the whole duty of man. Isaiah eight thirteen. The Lord Almighty is the one you are to regard as holy. He is the one you are to fear. Listen, he is the one you are to dread. And then finally, or two more, Psalms 33, 8. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. First uh, Peter one seventeen. Since you call out a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. Now, God does not want you to quake and shake because he's nearby. That's not the kind of fear that the scripture is talking about. He's talking about revering him. He's talking about reverencing him. He's talking about respect to him. And let me tell you something. This is something that's been lost in American churches. I wonder what's happened to our fear of God because we can glibly sin and act like it's no big deal. That's why I get a little frustrated when I see Christians that that really do some things that they know that God would not have them to do. They deliberately sin and then they say, ah, God will forgive me. First John 1, 9, it's all handled. And thank God for First John 1, 9, it says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But that's not uh, expected that we would just glibly treat sin like it's no big deal. God will forgive me. There ought to be reverence and fear of offending a God so mighty, a God so great, and a God who knows every thought in my head. There ought to be a respect and a reverence and an awe at a God who can speak words and create this great big universe. Breathe out stars. There ought to be some kind of fear in our heart and a sense of having reverence and fear. Let me tell you a little bit about fear. (laughs) 
When I grew up, my dad had this thing that he would do that would just put the hair up on the back of my neck. And I would deserve it every time, just so you know. Just I know this is a politically correct world, and some of you might get offended at this, but I'm giving you my reality, and I'm, I'm telling you up front, I deserved every time. But there would be times when I would mess up. And first of all, I've already told you that when he would whip out my full name, oh, my word. It was about to get, as the world says today, about to get real. Because he would pull out Francis Kenneth Dusa, and then if his hands went here, and he began to unbuckle that belt and pull it out. That sound. Man, I hated that sound, and I feared that sound, because once he did that, it was over. The belt came off, it would be used. And I remember running many laps as he held me by the hand and I'm running. And he's just whipping me with that belt because I deserved it. And so, yes, I feared my dad's belt. And he put a fear in my heart. There was a respect for my dad. I was never stupid enough as a teenager to bow up in my dad's face. He would hurt me in the name of Jesus if I did that, okay? And I, <coughs> I just had a respect for my dad. And I had a fear. The man's combat trained. I wasn't going to mess with my dad. And I'm just saying, I had this respect. Oh, that we would have a reverence for God again. That we would have this. Why does God want us to fear him? It's not because of an ego trip, not at all. But I do think that people have a bent towards evil pride and thinking more of ourselves than we should. And this keeps life in perspective. Do you want uh, guidance from God for your life? Well, fear him. Respect his word above the word of everyone else. Fear him. Love your God and fear him. I just have two more things that I want to share with you. Just two quotes that I thought wraps this up very nicely today. J. Oswald Sanders wrote this. The first and fundamental sin, in essence, aims at enthroning ourself at the expense of God. Pride is a sin of whose presence the victim is least conscious. What seems to happen when somebody battles with pride is they're blind to their own pride. I'm humble and I'm proud of it. One more that I read to you. In, in Windows, Ladders, and Bridges, A. Dudley Dennison Jr. wrote to follow, and I thought this was pretty good for me. Sometime when you're feeling important, sometime when your ego's way up, sometime when you take it for granted that you're the prize-winning pup, Sometimes when you feel your absence would leave an unfillable hole, just follow these simple instructions and see how it humbles your soul. Take a bucket and fill it with water and put your hand in it up to your wrist. Now pull it out fast and the hole that remains is a measure of how you'll be missed. You may splash all you please as you enter and stir the water galore, but stop and you'll find in a minute it's back where it was before. We're not indispensable. We're not all that in two bags of chips. We really aren't. We're just us. And we serve a great God. Godly fear is living with the understanding that one day God judges every single one of us. And we live with that knowledge. He knows our secret motives and our secret deeds and our secret thoughts. He knows it all. And it's a good thing to fear God. It's the beginning of wisdom.
Listen, God does offer guidance for your life. And he is poised to lead anyone who wants to be led by him. He's poised to give you that guidance. He wants to give anyone who really wants his direction, God positioning system in your life. He will show you how to walk. He'll show you the ancient paths. And he will put you there. Isaiah chapter 30, verses 20 and 21. Although the Lord gives you bread, the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, your teachers will be hidden no more and your own eyes will see them. Whether you turn to the right or the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. I want to just ask that uh, we bow our heads before the Lord quietly and and give privacy to the person next to you. And I'm just going to ask you to consider a couple of things. First of all, may I talk to anybody in this room who doesn't currently have a personal relationship with Jesus? And you've kind of been a bit lost. You've felt this. You've felt like there's no good direction in your life. And you're just kind of floundering around. And you haven't started on the ancient path. You cannot find direction for your life until you come to the cross, my friend. And it is in Christ and Christ alone. It is through Jesus and Jesus alone. That you can have real purpose and real direction in your life. And so let me ask this question. Is there somebody here today who would say, you know, I'm ready right now. To open my life to Jesus Christ. To ask him to forgive my sins and take them away. I'm ready to ask him to be my God and my guide. I'm ready to turn my life over to Jesus Christ. I want to receive from him his forgiveness and his direction in my life. And I want to live my life a different way. If that is you, I ask you to quietly, nobody is looking, slip your hand in the air. And this is you just acknowledging Jesus Today, right now, I open my life and my heart to you. Amen. Are there any others? Right now, Lord, I open my heart to you. Let me talk to you who are Christians. And you know you're born again. You know you've come to Christ. You know you've accepted his gift of eternal life. But here of late, there's been some strain. There's been some struggling. And you're just feeling so distant and so lost. And you want to get back to where God would have you to be. And you're just ready to say, God, I'm ready to listen. I'm ready to walk in these ancient paths that you've established. I ask you to forgive me and I ask you to help me. I want to just purposely dedicate myself to you again, to being your follower, to being a lover of Jesus. And so, Lord, I lift my hand to acknowledge that today to you. God bless you. Are there others? I acknowledge you today, God. I acknowledge I need you. I need your guidance for my life. I need you to help me to walk with you. Father, I thank you for the hands that were lifted, the, the one who acknowledged their need of Jesus Christ to accept the Lord. And I pray that you'll witness in their spirit that because they were obedient and they called out to you in their hearts that, Lord, you have made a promise. You said, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door to their heart, I come in. 
I pray, Father, that they'll, they'll have a witness in their spirit. You have forgiven their sins and you are their Savior. And you are there to guide them and keep them on the ancient path. I pray for those who lifted their hands and said, I'm a believer, but I've strayed and I've struggled and I need help. And I'm, I'm just rededicating my way back to the Lord. I pray that you'll help them, Lord, not to, not to lose sight of what you're doing for them today. You're merciful, you're kind, you're gracious, and I thank you for this today. Please help us, oh God. I think about the fact that entire churches and congregations can get so far afield from you. And we don't want to do that. We want to be the church you want us to be. So would you please put your spirit in us? Would you please guide us, Holy Spirit, and help us to walk that path? Glorify your name here today. Thank you for your goodness to us. We pray to you these prayers in Jesus' name.